Hi, and welcome to the Knowledge Panel Show, episode 27, targeting audiences using SEO. Thanks very much for my panel coming in today. Uh, let's have a, uh, a quick look at uh, them. We've got Philippa, uh, Billy, um, and Eilish, and, and Jonas. We'll, we'll um, get to see them all in, in, a, in a second uh, and, uh, and find out more about, uh, about them. But what I'd like to do is, um, before I start, just bring in David, uh, my producer, very, very quickly. Uh, and uh, David, you know, if people want to see this show live next time, where do they go? Sure. The address is the knowledge panelshow.com that'll redirect you to a page on the inlinks websites that's where you sign up um, we normally broadcast mid-month wednesdays 4 p.m uk time 11 a.m east coast time in the states if you can join us live then you can interact you can ask questions we cover a different subject every month and of course um and we even sometimes um intimate what we're going to be talking about beforehand as well, so you can get prepared with the subject matter and see who's going to be coming up as guests. So the address for that, if you want to sign up to watch us live, live next time, theknowledgepanelshow.com. Excellent. Thanks a lot, David. And uh, thanks also to InLinks for sponsoring this event. And uh, uh, no doubt somewhere along the line, I'll just say something about InLinks in the middle of the show for no apparent reason, because that's what you do on podcasts. So let's uh, introduce the, uh, the, 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 the guests today. We've got a, a fantastic uh, group of uh, lineup. Um, um, I'm going to start with Billy. Hello. Welcome back, Billy. How are you? Hi, I'm good. How are you? I'm very well. So tell us about yourself. Who are you and where do you come from? Um, I'm Billy Gina. I'm the Learning and Development Manager at Soul Agency. Um, and this is literally what I've been focusing on for the last few months is target audiences, user intent, segmentation. So I'm buzzing to be on the panel. Thank you. Brilliant. Brilliant. And uh, thanks very much for letting me come up to the Salt Agency a couple of months back as well. So thanks for your hospitality up there. So it's good. Uh, Eilish, how about you? Where are you and uh, where, where do you come from? Hey, um, so I'm Eilish. I'm an SEO account director. I'm currently in Somerset, which is quite nice. Um, so I'm at Mindshare at the moment and I've got a particular interest in SaaS startups and Again, really interested to be on this podcast because that's kind of what we do when it's a new brand or a new company and they don't really know how to address people that's where SEO can come in with some great wins I love that because now you're going to tell us exactly how Inlinks has completely mismatched its marketplace but we'll uh, we'll save that for after the uh, the podcast possibly unless you want to bring it in anyway uh Philippa how about you how are you where are you and where do you come from hello I'm good thank you thanks for having me um yeah I'm Philippa I'm in Madrid right now now in Spain. Um, I'm originally from Portugal and I'm an SEO executive and consultant. I work mainly in the e-commerce. Uh, so basically that's my jam. Um, and yeah, thanks for having me once again. Oh, you're very welcome. You're very welcome. And last but not least, Jonas Sigler, uh, tell us about yourself. Where are you? What are you doing? Where do you come from? I am in uh, central New York, so uh, outside of the city. I'm an SEO manager at Terakeet, and it's kind of an interesting meta type of a role because I'm on the marketing team, so I'm doing SEO for our own website, not for customers. So it's kind of doing SEO for an SEO type company is very interesting. And I, I just love the whole aspect of customer journeys and understanding who the personas are and how SEO fits into that role. In-house SEO for an SEO company, that's a, that's a 
you know, you're going to get a lot of critics on you. <laughs> Everyone's a critic in your world. <laughs> so, guys, uh, thank you very much for coming on. I want to start, uh, you know, the subject of the day, targeting audience uh, audiences using using SEO. So that, that can be read in a couple of different ways. But I, I'm going to do what I usually do and ask you for one takeaway or tip for anybody that hasn't got time to, to listen to the whole show uh, and you want to just give them a, a, a tip right at the top of the show. You know, what is your tip for creating, you know, a target audience using SEO? Um, and I, I'll, I'll, I'll go in reverse order then. How about that, you, you, Jonas? You know, why don't you set off with your one tip? Sure. Uh, I would say that um, – I. I see SEO as more of a, uh, a tool to identify what your audience wants and less of a tool to tell you who they are. So I would say start off with persona research and journey mapping to really understand who your audience is and then use SEO as a tool to unravel the customer journey and figure out what the questions are that they're asking as they move through the funnel rather than trying to use it to figure out who your audience is in the first place. Okay, that's uh, that's good. we might come back to that because that's an uh, interesting, uh, interesting way of looking at things. Uh, Philippa, how about you? Where do you, you know, what's your tip? Yes, I mean my tip on this one would definitely be to really understand um, who the target audience is, not only what um, you are, you know trying for them to look for so your product if it's an e-commerce for example or your content but also try to find out what are their needs what are their concerns um, more than what you actually have to offer them um, so definitely try to understand very well the whole industry I guess that's really the most important like who they are what do they need and what are their concerns like in general like really try to dig deep um, and have the whole picture, let's say. Okay, so as a similar sort of thing there to Jonas, in this sort of yeah, I'm, I've got yes. a particular word coming up in my mind, which I'm going to come back to in a second. Eilish, right, what didn't you go next? My tip is always try to get data from different places. So thinking about that funnel and the questions and what people are asking, talk to your product team, talk to your inbound leads team, talk to your sales team, because if especially if it's like a new brand or a new solution, Google's probably not going to tell us any search volume because why would Google care about a brand new thing? Um, so get the things that real people are asking about the product and use that to start thinking about the types of content you should be creating. That is a different cool tip. I like that one. Uh, okay. And Billy, what about for you? What are you, uh, and you're in the mid middle of doing it all now. So uh, you probably got things that have been in your mind anyway. You've literally just said the point that I was going to make. So to build on from that on a complete different subject is once you've got that data and you know what users are searching and curious about for the business you also need to think who aren't my customers who don't I want to see this who why don't I want to, them to see this and so you can kind of focus specifically on the correct audience and not the, the wrong person in, in in that niche if that makes sense. Okay. Yeah, it does. So, okay. So the two of you, I think the two of you have sort of come with two, or the four of you have come with two different kind of things that, that I heard. And one of those was mo the motivation of the user. Uh, and another one was, you know, multiple data sources and, and trying to find out, uh, you know, what, well, what doesn't make them take what does make them take and try and find different sources out there so let's let's talk about the motivation just when when you're talking about motivation um philippa and, and jonas i know you didn't specifically use that word but that's kind of the uh the, the word that stuck in my head there are we are we talking about you know 
user intent rather than who they are. Are you saying that, you know, what that person is trying to do is much more important than whether they're a CEO or whether they're an SEO or whether they're a, you know, a, you know, a male, female of age group, this, that, and the other, and a whole load of other demographics. Is that the sort of thing you're saying? And if so, what sort of things are you, um, uh, are you going to use to try and work out what it is that that person is, um, is, is, wanting or doing or what what their intent is. I don't know who wants to go with that first, whether it's Philip or Jonas or, or one of the two that hasn't, uh, didn't speak on that one. Who's going to go? Jonas looks like he's ready. I would say that I starting with the persona, the intent is absolutely spot on. I mean, that's exactly what we're trying to do. But starting off with the persona gives you the idea of who is this person how, where do they where do they fit into into the the uh, your target audience, and then the the keywords really reveal the intent that they have as they move throughout their journey. So they might they'll obviously that's going to shift in the awareness phase. They're going to have completely different questions. They're probably not even going to maybe be able to define what it is that they're trying to do at that point. So it's important to get in front of them at each of those stages, and the intent really is kind of about revealing the way that they frame up their questions and specifically what they're looking for and make sure that you have the content that serves them throughout their entire journey. But the persona I do think is a key piece of that because you could have a group of people with the same problem, but some of those might not fit into how you serve. You know, if there's some, some folks outside of a country that you don't serve or some that are at a different price point, you can't service them even though they have the same problem and the same intent. So I think the persona is a key piece of that. Okay. That's interesting. Philippa or anyone else, any, anything to add to that? Yes. I mean, I completely agree with Jonas on this one. Uh, I, it is very important to understand what is the search intent of um, a user. But then again, we need to know also what's behind, what's the motivation and, like what Jonas says, basically that, uh, you know, s several users might have the same uh, intent, but then, you know, the type of user that he or she is uh, really varies on what they actually will do, the action and what they're looking for, basically, if that makes sense. <laughs> yeah. And I guess it plays to Billy's point that, you know, you've also got to think about what people don't want. Uh, is that right, Billy? Yeah, absolutely. Um for me, one of the first things I like to do with a new client, if they have one, is to speak to their customer service team and their complaints team and also their sales team, just just like Eilish said with her point, and find out when they are making a sale, who is it in the business? Is it an accounts team they're speaking to? Is it the director? Is it CEO? Is it a marketing manager? Who who? actually is making those sales because most businesses don't actually realize who they're selling to but their the customer facing team know exactly and they can give you that information and then you can start tailoring tailoring your content to an accounts team to a marketing manager whatever um and it, it goes way before the keyword research in my mind it, it's in that persona building it's 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 almost like Psycho psychologically putting yourself into these different users and I, I don't even know the words I'm trying to say here but like, like going down their path and work like reverse engineering a sale so you reverse engineering their customer journey effectively really I guess yeah okay yeah absolutely so Eilish you I mean you, and you talked about multiple data sources for trying to get this in these sorts of um 
points. What what data sources do you find most useful? Humans, definitely. So like Billy was saying, um, like customer service teams, um, any of the product team I find really good. So actually going beyond the marketing teams as well and actually getting saying, you know, what elements of products are you actually going to build? What can you offer? Where is the market going? I think that's really important. I think something that I'm, I'm, I've been trying to think of a word to say, but it's almost um, like pre-qualifying people with the content because you don't want to be creating content that's going to be pushing people through the sales funnel to get to the end. And actually they don't have the budget or the product isn't quite right for them because they're outside of their like, geography or their age range. So I think that's really important to be working not yeah, not just with the product, uh, the marketing teams, but with engineering teams as well. I agree. I, I I do think that that's a really useful takeaway from from a lot of you. Really, that that the idea that you're not all things to all people, even if you are selling a blue or a a, a purple cow, as uh, Seth Godin used to call it. You know, um, even if you are selling a purple cow, you're not selling that purple cow to everybody that wants purple cow. There's you know some people need a a. a, a a boy cow instead of a girl cow and some people need a one with three legs and some people need one that's half the price or half the size or something like that so i think it's 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 interesting um to think about that and and it's almost more interesting to it's probably easy to understand you know your your big big group of customers you know the 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 pond it's probably easier to define the pond of all the people that could be your customers it's much harder to then slice out the the ones that aren't your customers out of that pond Uh, but but in doing so i guess you make your your website your your seo much more effective because you're talking to a much narrower audience and you're going a lot deeper to that audience and you know price is clearly an indicator if you're selling something at two thousand dollars a month you you know, you don't really want those people to even bother contacting you if they're only going to spend, you know, $50 a month. So there's a, a massive uh, a massive disconnect there that you've got to use. So I like that. What about using Google Suggest as a way of helping to understand that user intent? Because one of the things that the InLinks does is in its <coughs> keyword research t- tools, uh, and it's got new stuff coming out next month. So here's the plug for InLinks for everyone on the podcast. Uh, it's 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 taking topics and ideas that that people have uh, that, that that you're already talking about on your website, and then it throws those back into Google Suggest to try and um, hone those topics into into kind of conversations that people are actually having with your website so you know how do you do you think that google suggests is a useful tool for um trying to understand your customers or do you think that's a bit extraneous and not the not the start of the journey i don't know if anyone want to take that one i think it can be it depends on what type of product you have so if it is more b2c if it's more retail definitely because there's gonna be a lot of high volume searches around that and i think that's also a good way you can then tailor that into brand questions as well if someone's midway down the funnel they'll be asking questions about you know the purple cow and how big is it how easy is it to clean Um, and then when they go further down the funnel they start considering your brand versus someone else they'll start putting the comparisons in instead of the product so I think that's really good for that kind of thing and I think that's where that use is it can be a little bit trickier than when it is more niche or like the more dry topics like that's why I like doing the kind of like dry financey stuff because it's you need to dig a little bit deeper 
so I think when the external tools or Google Suggest runs out, then that's when you can start using Google, Google Search Console because that's your, your own private bank of keywords and questions that are coming to you. And they're often quite surprising as well. So I think, yeah, Google and the external tools are fantastic for the high volume stuff. But when it's a little bit more niche, you need to dig a bit deeper. Anyone else got any thoughts about, about that and Google Suggest in general? Well, I would say um, there, there is also a, an element of uh, trending uh, to the, the way Google Suggest works. So it tends to pick up on things that are becoming important, breaking out, or have been searched more recently. So um, that's great for spotting things that people are searching for in the moment, but it's also um, it also changes a lot. So it's not like um, a, you know regular keyword volume that you could use. I love the idea, though, uh, Eilish, of using uh, Search Console. That's really important. It's a great way to spot things if you are ranking poorly for some really important keywords because you only have one piece of content that ranks for a lot of things, but you can identify that those are really important topics that you should break out into a new piece of content and more intentionally target that. And uh, again, that's that's data that comes from your website, the way that you're performing in search versus something that is universally available. So you sometimes you can find those sort of what we've been hearing a lot of zero volume terms, right, that, that pop up that are unique to you that uh, maybe are not on the radar of anyone else. Oh, I'm, I'm, you're going to I don't normally talk about inlinks quite so much, but someone's going to love the next iteration of of, uh, of, of inlinks when it uh, comes out, hopefully next week. If it's not out by the time this podcast comes out, I mean, are we going to um, be able to say that you've only got one piece of content or zero pieces of content on this topic and uh, and you've got loads of other opportunities here and and, uh, and, and so far it's, it's going to be good. Anyway, that's uh, that's that's not by the by because it's not live as I speak. Um, so, uh, Philippa, have you, are you using um, Search Console? Or Philippa or Billy, are you using Google Search Console or Google Suggests at all or is that those not part of your your mix? Yes, I usually use them both, of course. Um, basically, um, on Google Search Console, exactly, you can find the terms that people are already, you know, uh, finding your website for. And then Google Suggest, depending on um, what the topics are, can be a good a good tool. I also like to sometimes uh, answer the public, with, which does more or less well, it doesn't, but you know, same sort of like thing. Yeah, to, and, and also yes. ask is is <laughs> yes. mining. Uh, people also ask data, which is slightly different to uh, to Google Suggest data, but you know, so both of those, all of those, kind of kind of work. So yeah, I think I think um, uh, these are all you know trying to all of those tools you know also asked or um, uh, answer the public uh, and Google Suggest they kind of. They're kind of going one step earlier in the funnel for people. They're trying to get into the head of the user. Uh, and one of the things about when you look at your own website stats, you're looking at you know somebody that's already come to your website in in many ways and a lot of that data. So uh, so I guess that some of those preemptive stuff things are, are, are really useful. Um, what about you, Billy? Are you using uh, those tools or are you using any any other especially? Absolutely, I think those tools are a massive a massive addition that, that every single SEO has a part of their key toolkit. Recently, I've um, actually been using Reddit and I, the the name of the websites had gone from my head completely. The one where you ask questions and someone will give you an answer. Um, oh, Cora. Cora, you're thinking Cora. of Cora. Yeah. Yes, <laughs> that just went completely. Um, and when working with more niche subjects, I've been going on there and searching and seeing if anyone's been talking about niche subjects, anything related, what's trending, and using that as a big basis for 
for them finding out what what our target audience is searching but it doesn't have any search volume or anything going on currently in search um and i've i found that infinitely just brilliant basically what about google adwords or um because uh, ad planner you know the stuff in google the, the ppc side the, the the dark side of uh, of, of ser- the search industry as i like to call them you know they have um some pretty good planning tools in, in in adwords so i've been told not that they let me in there very often but um do you use that data at all and then transfer that over to to, to seo or do you have a are you a bit like me and do you kind of you know well the paid people are the paid people and i'm the organic people um you know does any, is anyone actively using, you know, Google AdWords as a, a methodology for um, building building audiences at all? Ish. So, ish. Um, <laughs> ish. So one of um, my best friends is um, is a PPC account director. So love across the divide, um, and I think working with her has always been brilliant because she's very talented at what she does, and she's been able to teach me more about how to use paid effectively. Before I was friends with her it was very much a case of search volumes and that's what you'd get rather than historical trending data um but i do think that like a lot of tools you get more out of it once you've been able to test so actually getting the ppc data and understanding what copy works for them where that's coming and like what their landing pages look like seeing if um, their channel can help boost um, organic so i think it, it is useful but i think it's at its most useful as part of like a bigger conversation and a longer term project. Yeah. Okay. Anyone else using the PPC stuff? Yes, I I use it as well. Um, sometimes I also like to sometimes work with a paid media team and kind of complement each other's strategy. So like you know, SEO covers the gaps of SEM and vice versa. And I mean, sometimes I also believe that if you are about to start a new a new website out of out of zero, a niche mainly, I do think that sometimes also Google AdWords and uh, bidding on certain uh, keywords can be also a way to somehow validate if you if it works or not on a short term, and then you know if it actually works, you can actually develop an SEO strategy that will work you know long term. So. Yeah, I think they can be a very good complement to each other. I actually like... So you're, you're suggesting using a small PPC campaign to decide whether it's worth investing in a proper content strategy for a, a long-term SEO not, campaign? Not always. Uh, I'm saying if it's some kind of a niche, something new that it's kind of new in the market, I think that it can be a good strategy, not always. Uh, but I believe it can work sometimes. I mean, it's not always it depends on a lot of things obviously but i do believe it can be it can be a good way in some specific cases not always yes fair enough uh, I, I would uh, just kind of take the the slight contrary on on the position is just in that i don't really use ppc at all um mostly because i i'm afraid that it it tends to be very conversion focused and that um, it, it does tend to ignore some of the lower conversion types of keywords at the top of the funnel. So I don't like to um, get distracted by using something that might weight me towards the bottom of the funnel and cause me to miss some of the keywords that uh, the AdWords site planning doesn't have because they aren't conversion focused, but are absolutely critical in influencing the customer journey because all of those touch points are cumulative and they add up. And so the things that you might be absolutely shocked 
as a first touch point, you might see those converting further down the line after someone has encountered three, four, five pieces of content. And so I think it, there's a, there is a risk um, at going after those really juicy, easy to convert keywords at the bottom of the funnel. And there are so many of them that we tend to end up with a bottom heavy funnel if we focus too much on those. So it's really important to make sure that we cover the whole journey, including the things that the PPC tools don't reveal. I suppose over the years, the, uh, the PPC tool set has, uh, it's been a long time since I've used PPC, so I, you, I might be talking rubbish here, but I did feel that they were trying to go broader and broader and trying to get the user to get the, get the PPC manager to start, you know, going into broader markets, to try, I guess, to try and get the clicks up or the click where the impressions up um, for, for, for ad inventory. And that has the opposite of effect of, uh, of, of, of knowing where some, of being able to pinpoint where somebody is in a, in a in a value chain, I suppose, or in a in a, in a flow workflow. So, yeah, interesting. Two 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 sides of an argument. I mean, let's just, yeah, Ali. Sorry, sorry. I was yeah. just come back to. That. I think that broadly PPC can be quite a, like like bottom funnel conversion focus. But again, depending on the sector or vertical that you're in, um, you know, I've seen some really successful PPC campaigns that have been able to support the more mid funnel um points when it's more like white paper publication, more like the broad top level thing, or Often with like some medical sites that we've worked on as well, that is there's the people um, people tend to be in the top and mid of that conversion funnel for so long. Anything that is either your money or life or just like expensive stuff to do with finance. And um, so I think sometimes their PPC can be less focused on the more aggressive conversions and can bring more people into the more like long tail consideration content. Yeah, I think that's, that's good. And I use PPC as well. We've been recently using PPC as well to um, to try and hone the message to a particular segment. So we've got, we've got people that want to design content, people that want to do internal linking, people want to do keyword research, you know, we've got different section, sections within there, but we don't necessarily know what kind of message is going to resonate. So using A-B testing in PPC with different, you know, aiming at the same segment, but then trying to do different messaging there quickly helps us to understand more about which, which, meg, which, which segment is going to resonate with which message a little bit. So I think there is some, some, some pretty good use for that, but you can also use Google analytics, of course, to segment, um, uh, segment the existing audiences. I mean, Jonas mentioned, uh, you know, uh, looking at, and, and, and Eilish mentioned looking at search console data. Uh, and, and so you're looking at, uh, you've got, you've got a, a huge ability to segment your existing customer base by geographical location. Um, sadly not by keyword in Google analytics, but you know, uh, by, but, 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 you know, when you do, do you use segmentation to try and understand things? And if so, how how do you segment your your audience um, at all, really? You know, if you're trying to segment uh, audiences, you know, for the benefit of SEO, what sort of segmentation do you do? High in the funnel versus low in the funnel? Um, you know, whether they're, you know, talking from India or America, you know, what sort of things do you use to segment your audience? It really depends on, on your personas and your audience, but I tend to like to combine uh, Google Analytics data because uh, in, in our case, ge geographic is really important. We only serve within the United States, so I have to know not just which pages are converting, 
but which ones are converting within the U.S. And then the other side of that coin is I. Are you in industry which on, which is important um, by city in the U.S. as well? So you know, is it you know, yeah, New York being important? Exactly. So if you have you know if you know that there are certain hub cities where most you know most of your customers uh, originate from, obviously then then geography is incredibly important. Uh, I also like to look at. Uh, the size of the company, and that data is not really available in analytics because our customer base is a particular size, a very large Fortune 1000 companies. So that data is not in GA. So I need to combine it with data from uh, like Leadfeeder and other types of tools that will identify whether a large brand is on your website, and then take that data and combine it with what's in GA for traffic and conversions, so that I can say, well, which URLs are actually attracting not just a lot of sessions, but the right sessions from the right companies and which ones are converting. And then when they convert, are they our target audience? So I have to kind of piece together those different pieces of information in order to segment by a few different demographics. Uh, and some of those tools are, and it's hard to combine the data. So we have to get, go into Google Sheets and do it that way. But uh, I do think having have, making those decisions based on your particular audience is critical, no matter where you get the data from, so that you're not just looking at conversions and traffic, but also are they the right ones? Eilish, do you want to jump in? Yeah, so I was going to say it kind of comes back to the point that um, Billy was making earlier about making sure you're pre-qualifying people and not getting the like the wrong people too far down the funnel and I think when it comes to segmentation as well um, I think you know, it's good to think along the funnel and then also cutting it down even further from the people within that funnel because there are the people who are helping other people make decisions so if for example it is like a, a care home brand there are going to be the grandchildren, it's going to be the parents, it's going to be doctors, it's going to be clinical partners. There's lots of different people within those segments who are going to be either talking to each other or talking to the people above them or below them. And that's, I think, an important thing to think about, like not just always thinking that it's like a linear conversion. It's people will at the top will talk and people within all of them talk. So it's good to have, I guess, content that speaks to lots of different people who are speaking about the same thing. That's, yeah, that is interesting. You've got different stakeholders in a problem. I care, the care home problem is quite an interesting one, I suppose, because, of course, the person that's going into the care home wants to care, that wants to make sure that they're going to get good care and they're going to be looked after. The kids may be worried about the price. Uh, the, uh, the um, you know, the um, people that are looking for a job at the care home may be interested in the, in the reputation of the care home. All sorts of different, yeah, there's going to be different stakeholders in different stages. Uh, and, uh, and and you want a different kind of message to those kind of people sometimes. Yeah. Uh, Philip or Billy, uh, anything to add on there or shall I jump on? Yeah. Okay. So what I, the the last thing that I really w wanted to start talking about was um, proper. Well, okay. I'm going to say proper with with inverted commas here. Pro traditional keyword research tools. Um, you know. So there's there's a number of tools out there that give you you know this number of people typed in this 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 keyword last month. You know, Semrush, Ahrefs, uh, SimilarWeb. Um, there used to be others as well, and you probably may have other ones. Ubersuggest, I think. Uh, so there's a bunch of in there. You know, those those kind of traditional SEO keyword research tools. How important are they for a 
segmentation? B, do you find them accurate at all? Um, C, you know, has has the world moved on from there? You know, they they're they're a big part of the SEO world. So um, so how valuable? Which ones are valuable? Billy's got a hand bursting to go, so I'll jump in there. Go on. What have you found useful? So I love these these traditional tools, but I don't think I use them for search volume. I very often um, I do. Obviously, you do keyword research, do a bit of keyword mapping at the start of any campaign. But the way I love to use tools, so in particular, I use Ahrefs. Um, and what I like to do is use it to kind of qualify user intent. Um, so I focus a lot on on things that are very niche. So it tends to be zero search volume, very low search volume. So I'll I, I know that they've not got a search volume. I've seen that. I've looked at that. I've googled them. There's definitely pages connected to them. So what I can do is search these terms that don't have this massive search volume, or at least it says it doesn't because it's just using a pre-given data set. But then if you look at that page and look at the traffic and and do the inspection that that is available on Ahrefs, you can actually see that that page gets loads of of traffic so then you can go back and look at the traffic for that keyword or the estimated traffic and actually it doesn't have a search volume but there's traffic happening there's definitely markers that this is actually something you should focus on Um, and I just think traditional tools these days you can't focus on the search volume because search is evolving there's so many keywords out there that and and I, I can't remember the exact stats, but I think it's something like, I'm not going to give it day, any data, but X percent of searches per day are brand new to Google, but yeah. there's still yeah. people searching for them. So yeah. why yeah. would you trust? Yeah, I can't remember what the stats were, but it's on like half, of, you know, but they'll change over time, of course, as well. Um, yeah, a large number of searches are unique to, uh, or, or used to be certainly uh, unique to uh, to any given day, month or ever. In fact, yeah. What about uh, the rest of you? What tools are you using for if you're using those keyword research tools? And uh, what do you like, Jonas? Well, I, one of the things that I, I think is really interesting to remember is that um, in terms of search volume, um, is it's a it's really a lagging indicator. It's a 12 month lagging indicator of what what was popular over the last 12 months divided by uh, you know 12 months, and and so it gives you the monthly volume on that. I, I do tend to look at uh, SEMrush as far as keyword research goes, but I tend to use keyword research tools as a jumping point to understand the breadth of questions that people have as they move through the journey. And then I always look to Google SERP after that to find the intent. I don't rely on uh, what tools tell me the intent for a keyword is, or even whether they indicate, you know, I know Ahrefs does have a, a handy parent keyword category where it says, if, if you rank for this, then here's the parent keyword you need to publish on. But I prefer to look at the SERP and see, uh, number one, is it consistent? And, and does that mean like, Everything on page one is a an informational, definitional, what is X type of a keyword, or is it a mix of things? Because Google says there's there's there is no one specific answer to this question. There is a, a spectrum of answers. So how many different people are answering it in, in how many different ways? And then the third question is, is it possible to create one piece of content for this, or do I need to create multiple pieces of content? 
uh, without cannibalizing rankings for any of them? Is it is it really three different distinct answers, or is it or is it one answer? So I kind of think I start off in those search tools, but I always look to Google because that's really the true answer of what uh, Google has more data than anybody has in terms of keywords and what users are looking for. Eilish and, and Philippa, are there any other tools that you use apart from Ahrefs and SEMrush for keyword? Yes. Uh, yeah. I also use uh, Systrix uh, quite yep. a lot. Yeah. Um, and, and that's pretty good in Spanish, I would imagine, as well. Yes. And it's true that sometimes different data come out of different tools. So sometimes it's a bit, you can get a bit uh, confused by so many different insights. So, yeah, definitely, I, I, I do agree that we need to go a little bit further in, and do the research also our, ourselves. Look at the SERP, look what what the intent is and really find out, you know, more than what the tools actually um, tell us. So, yeah, I agree uh, with with what Billy and Jonas said on, on this one. Um, and yeah, <laughs> that's it. Eilish, any other tools to add into the mix? I've recently started playing around with Stat and Authoritas. Um, they're quite good for enterprise size accounts. So they're good for like grouping huge data sets, but have to agree with Jonas on like the Google it thing. Um, so I think that the keyword tools, the traditional ones are really good for like the execs and the juniors and people who are learning. So you can say, here's loads of keywords learn what search intent is. So actually go through, here's a list of 500 keywords, do some formulas, do some categorization and start grouping them. And you teach them how to do that by saying, if you're confused about what the search intent of this keyword is, Google it. <laughs> um, and I think that's, that is the best. Like they're, they're just so, they are really good for getting huge amounts of data. They're really good for defining like the keyword universe, you know, going to a client and saying, this is a huge opportunity. But when it comes to how we're translating that into actionable pieces of work, you do need to have that human element in there. So I, I, I think that uh, that's that's really useful stuff. I think the, the the human element is very important. But I think as well, another thing about Google going back to having to go back to Google is that the traditional keyword tools don't use they don't use verbs as is basically what they don't use. So you know they're sitting there saying giving you you know uh, key, keyword volume for house um, for house not not necessarily noting that home is a similar uh, synonym for, for for house so house insurance and home insurance if you type one in you're going to you're going to get the results for the other one sort of sitting up there in the in the answer so you know they're synonyms and 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 the most of those tools are not getting the synonyms totally I, I don't know they do a little bit um but not not brilliantly and they're not building it around topics but more importantly you know um house you know home ho buying a home uh, renting a home, selling a home, and insuring a home, and decorating a home are five very, very different activities. Hugely different activities. If you're going to decorate a home, you certainly don't want to. You know, you're not trying to buy it. You've already got it. So, so I, I think that um, these verbs are something that uh, that the keyword research tools miss um, mostly uh, in 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 working out that user intent. And Google suggests. Does so basically Google's well Google going back to Google the the the, the user intent is much more obvious because those uh, those uh, those underlying you know meanings become more obvious when you start using verbs and and I wonder if we've kind of missed uh, verbs in user intent as a as a way of SEOs you know understanding the user journey and segmenting their audiences better. 
I don't know if anyone has any comments on that or disagreements with that. You know. So if you think about Google and like the core of how search engines work, that the, it, it focuses and is run on an inverted index. So when you make a search, you search for anything, it breaks it down into them core elements and removes those verbs because they're typically stop words. So that's what it's focusing on. And depending, so I feel like anyone that uses, especially when they start out, the juniors and execs um when they first start out in seo they're obsessed with those big search volumes those big numbers that's what they want to focus on and whilst you, you can find that data in 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 google search and 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 looking into things that bit further google still doesn't always get it right so if all broad terms where like home or house where it could be you're looking to buy one, you're looking to insure one, you're looking to decorate one. If your search is vague, uh, Google will have to just come up with a vague mishmash of information, even if the va- if there are verbs there in the search, because typically those would be actually removed. Um, and you can, so it would present data potentially that would meet all three of those needs unless it's primarily focused. Although it does have that, uh, cinnamon. I can never say that. I am going to say cinnamon. Those cinnamon. You said it perfectly, Billy. <laughs> <laughs> it has that extra bit of understanding. However, there's other understanding what what it doesn't get because it, it it's built to ignore those to be able to get you that result in 0.22 seconds so but if i mean if a word becomes a stop word then you know a, a user is are they not going to refine that search until it until it becomes the right answer for them um don't they, don't they change change their behavior if they've put in the wrong or something too simple yes yeah, so it is a case of almost conditioning users to search more long tail to to be more specific because the longer their search term is the more information they're giving google to throw through that inverted index and get the result that's actually specific to what they're searching and and still even though google's getting smarter and more complex there is still plenty of times where i've googled something and i've not got what i've looked for so i've gone in and it took me like three or four googles literally i i was trying to find something on asos and i couldn't be bothered with going through loads and loads of category pages so i was coming up with all the things that i could remember about this thing i wanted to buy and it ended up being like seven words long <laughs> um you get more specifics you have to be to get the result that you want and anyone else jones i think that's an, an excellent point um I, there is there's definitely um yeah I, I i i completely agree with everything you just said all right with billy or dixon <laughs> Uh, Billy, Billy. With Billy, there you go. Yay. Eilish, Philippa, I mean, do, do, have you really sort of delved into verbs in user intent uh, at, at all? Or, or do you think it's important to to consider verbs more than we do in uh, in keyword research and in uh, segmenting customers into helping, you know, helping understand what it is that the user is actually trying to do? What, what I find most fascinating about the way that Google has been moving and evolving is really that the, on the ideas of, of synonyms, I also struggle with that word, is that there's Google's trying to understand more around the edges of the keywords. Uh, where are those similarities? But not only which words are synonyms for each other, 
But what are the nuanced differences between them? One example would be, um, you know, types of content marketing versus examples of content marketing. Sounds like the same thing, but there's a little difference. One is sort of how are brands using it? What are some examples of what has been done? And then types is more, what are the different ways you can do this? Um, others might be like, what's the importance versus the pros and cons? There's some very similar aspects to that, but Google is trying to understand what what are really the nuanced differences between these words, not just the synonyms. So I think that there's there's a lot of really interesting things that we can, as as content creators, if we can understand what Google is trying to achieve. And sometimes we know that our audiences don't really know how to search, that they're, they throw something out there and they land on your page and they realize, oh, I didn't really search what I wanted to. So if you've created that secondary piece of content that uh, supports it, then they'll just go and click on that and then read through rather than returning back to Google and refining their search. So I guess that's an argument for creating those topic clusters of related content so that you can understand if someone searched this, they might've meant this other thing. So let me make sure that I have that ready for them and offer it up to them just in case they need it. This has all made me think that Billy, when you were talking about um, ASOS and how annoyed you were that you couldn't Google and get on the right page for it. And Jonas, when you're talking about people not Googling quite the right thing, I think this is making me think, and like when you can talk about the, the verbs, Dick's like, well, I'd never use a verb in search because, and I'm, of course I wouldn't, because I spend my entire day thinking about how Google works and how robots work and how it should all work ideally. And then it makes me think back to when, when I think back, like, I, like I've not seen another human for days, but when I see people Googling, my friend's just Googling a restaurant and I'm like, you're using Google wrong. Stop using it like this. Type it like this. And I think maybe <laughs> we could all do stepping back a little bit and forgetting that people do search in funny ways. And Google's probably still learning that. And that sometimes we need to think about how, yeah, how normal people use Google and not it's just... It's like the SEOs like don't a, search yeah. like uh, like real people. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's yeah, an interesting basically. observation. And, yeah. and, and and knowing how, you know, bias works, it's entirely likely yeah. that we, we, we completely misunderstood what actual users are typing in a lot of the mm-hmm. time. Yeah. <laughs> Villapet, any other thoughts to add there? No, actually, you made me think about all the things you've said. And uh, I agree with Alice on this one because I do find myself sometimes googling things on a I think different way on a really weird way because of yeah of the job that I do so I think that's definitely a thing um yeah it, very interesting yeah just yeah I don't I don't think uh, most people would know how to use site colon asos.com to try and tie their <laughs> results down to asos results <laughs> so brilliant okay well guys we're at time already and these things do do tend to uh, to move quite quickly but you know in case anyone's had something that you know one of you has said that they they want to reach out um how do they get in contact with you can they reach out on twitter or linkedin or on a website somewhere um eilish um how do they get hold of you um you can find me on linkedin um so it's my name and hughes it's much easier to spell or on um twitter on twitter hold on guys so uh, for all those people on podcast this happens every single time i ask this question (laughs) eilish is spelled e-i-l-i-s-h like billy eilish and has hughes got an e Hughes has got news, H-U-G-H-E-S. Um, or if you want to find me on Twitter, um, that's Dorky. So like, I'm, I'm Dorky. And then just Eilish again. <laughs> Dorky Eilish. Excellent. <laughs> Billy, how do they find uh, find you? Um, so you can find me anywhere online as Billy Gina. That's Billy with an I-E. And Gina is spelled G. 
E-E-N-A. I have been called Gina a few times. That is okay, but if it helps you spell it. <laughs> Brilliant. Uh, Philippa, how do they get hold of you? And just for anyone on podcast, Philippa is spelled with an F <laughs> and one L yes. and one B. Not the H. <laughs> yeah. So basically, yeah, on LinkedIn, uh, Philippa, Sarah Gasper. Okay. All right. I'll just do the whole lot then. Sarah is S-E-R-R-A and Gasper is G-A-S-P-A-R. Yeah. Or okay. on Twitter, which would be A Philippa Gasper. So okay. actually it's Brilliant. Gaspar. I'm just saying it. Okay, it's pronounced it with an English. H in there just to confuse English people, you now, know, English speaking people, Philippe even more. <laughs> <laughs> this is why we got to do the spellings on podcasts. Jonas, how do they get hold of you? I am on Twitter and LinkedIn, and it's under my name, Jonas, J O N A S, Sickler, S I C K L E R. So you'll find me in either place searching that. Part Guys, of thank you very much for coming in. I just want to go and ask David to come back well. in and uh, tell us about the uh, the next episode of uh, of the Knowledge Panel Show. Sure. Next month's episode will be on Monday the 17th of October, 4pm BST, the last BST episode until we go back to GMT. Um, that is, of course, 11am Eastern Time. Particular topic for that show is how digital PR intersects with SEO. Um, we're going to have a few guests for that one there. Um, so we're going to confirm them over the next couple of weeks. Indeed, if you're listening and you would like to be a future guest on the Knowledge Panel Show, the best way of being so is if you sign up at thenowledgepanelshow.com. Come along, watch a live one next, um, interact in the chat and uh, let us know that you want to be part of a future one and perhaps you can join us as a, as a future guest as well. Brilliant. Okay, guys. Well, thank you ever so much for the interesting chat some interesting thoughts as well uh, and uh, I hope the audience gets something out of it as well uh, I'll just uh, for me to say thanks a lot and goodbye <laughs>